If you are like my clients, you know, executives, project managers, middle managers, marketing managers, you know, going for those middle management and senior roles, it's really important to balance what you believe are the demands of ATS with the job postings and how you apply needs to be well read for the human eye first and the bot second. Don't think that bots are unsophisticated and that they will fall for a laundry list of skills because they don't fall for that anymore. I'm Renata Bernardi, and this is the Job Hunting Podcast, where I interview experts and professionals and discuss issues that are important for job hunters and those who are working to advance their careers. So make sure that you subscribe and follow, and let's dive right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Job Hunting Podcast. I'm recording this episode from Brazil because it's an urgent episode. After I delivered a webinar called Revolutionize Your Executive Job Search with AI, The Power of ChatGBT, we received during that webinar so many great questions and it was only an hour long, so we didn't have time to answer all the questions. So thank you so much for the Watermark Search International team for not only trusting me with this important topic, helping me facilitate this webinar, especially Donna Burr, and for providing me with the questions that you know, we're sort of floating through the chat box all the way through the webinar. I love when webinars are busy in the chat box. I really like it. I like when people get excited and comment and ask questions, but because it was only an hour long and I could literally talk on the water about this subject, I'm so passionate about it. We didn't want to go over time. So here we are answering questions. If you haven't seen the webinar, that's fine because it's available to you on YouTube. You can go to my YouTube channel or you can go to Watermark Search International's YouTube channel and you will be able to find it. I'll have a link to it below in case you get busy and you don't know where it is or you forget about it. It's in the episode show notes below. If you're subscribed to my newsletter, you will already have received a link to the webinar, but I will send it again when this episode is released. So this episode broke all the records with Watermark. They do webinars like this every now and then. This is the fourth time, I think, they invite me to run a webinar for their job candidates. Watermark is a headhunting organization, part of the bigger recruitment group here in Australia. They are very international. They search for C-level executives that want full-time jobs, permanent positions, and also entering work, which we have spoken about in a few episodes of this podcast. And the webinars are very well attended. They have always been. I've always really enjoyed participating. I really do end up with quite a few clients afterwards, I have to admit. It's great for my business and great for this podcast. And I think we reached about 400 registrations and about 188 attendees on the day. And I also have already received feedback 
from people that were not able to attend on the day, but they listen to it later, which is a plus. I always think nobody will listen to it later, <laughs> but that's not the case. They do. And, and, you know, I think that when we work, like in my business of working with executives and professionals, corporate professionals that are looking for work, they are really tuned in and they want to learn everything they can to do well in the recruitment process. So. I think this webinar was very popular for that reason. Attendees came from Australia, United States, and Singapore. Maybe they came from other parts of the world, but when we asked for them to put in the chat box where they were from, those were the three countries that came up. And the feedback has been amazing. It makes me so proud. You have no idea. I love reading if you have to admit. And look, even if it's constructive feedback, please do send. But I only received very, very positive feedback all the way through the presentation, the webinar, the chat was really lovely and positive. And then afterwards I got like, I don't know, maybe 30 or more messages on LinkedIn thanking you for the webinar. And, you know, I have a few here that I'd love to read to you. Please, you know, indulge me. One said, really appreciate the invitation to this seminar. It was great. One of the best uses of an hour I have had for a long time with a smiley face. And then the other one said, wow, thanks so much for the session on ChatGPT. This is one of the best sessions I have ever attended for many years. So informative and helpful. And, you know, others said, you know, I'm already using it. I used it to apply for a board position. I used to optimize my resume. So I, you know, it's a delight. You know, these are people that not only gave me feedback, they book consultations, they book LinkedIn audits. I have a few uh, private coaching clients as well after that webinar and a few more that are still thinking about it. But I have my fingers crossed that they will they will convert and work with me because these are the ideal candidates, you know, people that are really interested in their careers, people that want to work with me, that understand the value of not only AI and ChatGPT, but working with a coach. So fantastic. Now, let me take a sip of water. As you know, this podcast is really cash. And for that reason, I must admit, I'm recording with a dodgy microphone, so if the quality of this episode is a bit down, you know why I'm actually speaking very close to this microphone, because I don't trust it. And, you know, we'll just keep on going, and I'll, I'll see later what to do about it. Camille will have to do a lot of work with the editing to make it great, but because I am overseas visiting my family and working here for my parents, I forgot to bring my microphone. That's the reason why I'm working with this not-so-good one. But let's keep going. So what we did during that webinar was we polled. We did a poll right at the beginning asking, have you used AI to assist in your job search prior to this webinar? And most people said no. So over 60% said no, they were aware, but they didn't, or it's a completely new concept. Only 8% said yes extensively. And then we had 29% that said yes, but only a few times. By the end of the webinar, we did a second poll and 94% said that, yes, they feel confident. They feel like they can do it, even if they need a little bit more practice. So we had two different answers and 94% said, yes, they would definitely use ChatGPT and they felt more confident about it following the webinar. 
6% said, no, not sure yet, but said, no, I will not use it. I feel uncertain. So I find that this is an amazing use of an hour for me and for the participants. So I'm so happy that um, I dedicated this time to help so many professionals and thankful to Watermark for providing me with the platform to reach out to what really is ideal candidates for my services and for this podcast. I hope you're listening. If you're new, hello. Nice to have you here. <laughs> I think we have about 400 new listeners and subscribers this past month. About half of it came, oh, less than half. I think about 100. 100 came from that webinar and the other 300 came from elsewhere. So, you know, if you haven't watched the webinar yet, go to the link available in the episode show notes and have a look because, you know, I did it with a lot of care and thinking of you, thinking of this audience from the Job Hunting Podcast. All right. So we have quite a few questions. I forgot to count them, but I think there's about 14. Let's go quickly, right? And guess what? I asked ChatGPT to help me answer two of them. <laughs> And if you haven't listened to the episode where I interview ChatGPT, I will put a link to that in the episode show notes as well. It's quite fun. And ChatGPT was a wonderful guest of the Job Hunting Podcast a few episodes ago. And that kind of prompted, prompted, prompted <laughs> this uh, conversation with Watermark and the webinar came from that conversation and that episode of the Job Hunting Podcast. So ChatGBT is now, you know, an ongoing guest of this podcast here. So first question is an interesting one, quite a quick one for me to answer. Have you found a big difference in the quality of the output between ChatGBT and Google Bard? Would these responses from ChatGBT be generic and provide everyone with the same responses? So, okay, let's talk about Google Bard first, okay? The big difference between ChatGPT and BARD is their language model. The way that they were created is empowered, is very different. ChatGPT uses what they call a generative pre-trained transformer for ChatGPT4. And it means that it was pre-trained up to September 2021. BARD is different. It has a language model for dialogue applications and it's learning ongoing. So ChatGPT was developed also by OpenAI, which is an organization, while BARD was developed by Google, which is another organization. So they are sort of different, but you can try to do the same thing with both and see which one comes back with the better answer. I have mostly use ChatGPT. I have not used BARD with my clients. I have not used BARD for my job. I have not used BARD much at all. I decided to get very, very good at ChatGPT, train for it, use it, and practice with it. And I am really enjoying the information and the output that it's providing my business and my clients job applications and career needs. So while because while BARD has this up-to-date information, it's not pre-trained like ChatGPT, what I hear is that it struggles with information from time to time. It commits errors more often from time to time. So this is like information that you can read about online. It, you know, it's not just me saying it. It's just 
what's being said at the time of this recording because you know you might be listening to this a few months from now and things will have changed I find that ChatGPT, from what I hear and from what I get from it, has amazing answers, very fluent, and the writing and and the context uh, context is really great. It's great. It's great for those ideations and creative work of copywriting, right? Some people do say that Bard's responses are more readable and of course you know because of the different language model it may be more up to date of course because there is a limitation with ChatGPT with information that's up to September 2021 and at the time of the recording we're in August 2023 but for now I will continue to use ChatGPT I have the paid version we will talk about that later and I strongly recommend my clients to use it. And together we work, you know, with ChatGPT to enhance their job applications and support their career development and progression. I use other AI tools as well, very, very often. So the other tools that I use are Loom, L-O-O-M. I use that very frequently with my clients. So if you're a client of mine, you will know what I mean. These are video answers. So I'm on call with my private clients when they work with me for three months, six months, well, 12 months. And I often, instead of writing emails back to them, if they have a question for me, I record a short video and I send to them. Long then with my video creates a text, a version of what I said. It's usually spot on very rarely I have to do any editing of that text and it creates also a the timestamps you know the timestamps that I have on my podcast I have that for like five minute videos that I do for my clients I also use another tool inside a subscription that I pay called Uber Suggest. Uber Suggest is a Neil Patel business. It's for small businesses like myself or big big businesses also use Uber Suggest to enhance and optimize their websites. And it has an AI tool that is really good for the sort of work that I do where I always need to be looking at you know, topical hashtags that I need to add to my social media posts like LinkedIn. And then there is the AI tool inside the script, which is my podcast editing tool that creates my transcripts and generates a voice for ChatGPT, for example. From time to time, I make a mistake on my podcast. I hardly ever fix those mistakes, to be honest. But when I make a very big mistake, say, you know, a name wrong, for example, I can substitute the word. So let's say instead of saying Mary, I said John. I can use the script to fix that. It knows my voice and it will update the transcript and it will update the audio file. Isn't it amazing? And it's AI powered and it's an amazing tool. A lot of podcasts use the script for editing purposes. So of all of these other AI tools that I use, I would recommend Loom for job seekers if you are the sort of candidate that needs to do video answers or video responses to job applications. And and I have senior executives that have to send videos out as a first step with their application process. So yeah, Loom is a good tool to consider and I'll have a link to it in the episode show notes if you want to test it out. 
So in fact, we do have a question here as well about the fact that ChatGPT is time-fenced. That means that it does not access data after 2021. So what does that mean? It means that even though OpenAI has made great improvements to ChatGPT with the ChatGPT 4 instead of the 3.5, which is freely available, it still has that limitation of the data set of the training, the pre-training that ChatGPT received being cut off at September 2021. And it does not have experience or information that was created after that. And you can test out ChatGPT and ask for, let's say, list the big event that happened in 2022. It will not be able to provide you with that information. ChatGPT has this a vast amount of information and data but only up to September 2021. I still think that for the creation of copy, you know, for the creation of creative content, ideation, and the sort of work that I do with my clients, it's still incredibly useful and I believe better than Bard in that sense. You know, make sure that you keep an eye on what's happening because things are moving very fast. And if you're listening to this episode months and months from now, from the recording time, which is August 2023, things could have changed. And if you're looking for recent news, you know, real-time data, ChatGPT won't be much use. And then you can Google it, right? Other AI that you can try, like Claude or Bard, you know, may have better information and they have been trained with more recent information, but still you won't be able to access data that is less than a few months old. Keep that in mind because ChatGPT and other AI tools right now do not replace you Googling things. Okay. It's used for a different purpose. ChatGPT may be a hub of knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not a search engine. That's the thing. That's what I wanted to say. So you still need to use Google for to search recent data. And so, for example, if you're applying for a job at an organization, let's say you're applying for a job at Google, you want to go to Google and check out the news. Um, you know, if it's a finance role, you will if get information about, you know, recent stock market results or financial results. Or if you're a child, you want to know, you know, have they been restructuring or hiring or, you know, what's happening in terms of their flexibility with uh, hybrid work. You need to check that out on Google. ChatGPT is not for that. Now, what else do we need to answer? Okay, here we go. If everyone uses ChatGPT, then how do we differentiate ourselves? How will the ATS system, that's the applicant tracking system that companies use to select candidates when they're recruiting, how will they use ChatGPT? How will they select candidates if there's a level playing field now? Would these responses from ChatGPT be generic and provide everyone with the same responses? So you can see that this is an amalgamation of questions from the chat box, and they're all following a similar line of thought, right? There was also another line of thought that is aligned with that about plagiarism. So thinking about how organizations, you know, have sophisticated software to detect plagiarism 
and like type phrases, and if ChatGPT is used to generate a response, how will that be overcome by candidates? So I want ChatGPT to help us answer that, but this is what I think people misunderstand about ChatGPT. It will not be generic if you do the exercise that we did in the webinar, which is an amalgamation of you requesting it to provide you with a cover letter for a specific job description that you feed into the prompt. And you can regenerate that over and over again, but without your actual information also being fed into the prompt, it will only be able to provide you with similar results, right? Because it has the position description and different people, you and other people may feed ChatGPT that same position description. And because ChatGPT has been trained on specific data and, and in producing specific patterns of writing, it may generate similar results. The difference lies in how you use it and that's why that webinar is so good, because it's a wave of information that you provide between your skills and experience and the job ad that makes the output from ChatGPT so good. And then it's really your proofreading at the tail end. So it's a mix of sophisticated prompting and your proofreading at the tail end that will make your application really stand out. But now I would like us to listen to the answer that was provided by ChatGPT. So let's listen to it now. Using a model like ChatGPT to help draft a CV or cover letter poses an interesting conundrum. Given that ChatGPT has been trained on a vast amount of data and produces text based on patterns it has observed, there's a possibility that other users posing similar queries or prompts to the model might receive similar or like type phrases in response. Here are some points to consider. 1. Similar prompts may yield similar responses. If multiple job candidates provide similar or nearly identical prompts to ChatGPT, they might get similar outputs. For instance, if two users both ask how do I describe my project management experience on a CV, there's a chance that the model will generate similar language or structures for both users. 2. Sophistication and diversity. However, GPT-4 and similar models are designed to produce a wide variety of responses. The breadth and depth of the model mean that even with similar prompts, it's possible to receive varied outputs. 3. User customization. Even if ChatGPT provides an initial draft or structure, most users will modify, tweak, or adjust the provided content to better fit their unique experiences and voice. This customization should reduce the likelihood of identical or near-identical content appearing across multiple CVs or cover letters. 4. Relative rarity. While ChatGPT and other AI writing models are becoming more popular, not all job applicants will use them. Many applicants will still draft their CVs and cover letters manually, which introduces a lot of variability. 5. Ethical considerations, relying heavily on AI. Generated content for personal documents like CVs and cover letters raises ethical questions. Is it a genuine representation of the applicant's abilities to communicate? Do employers value authenticity? These are questions that applicants should ponder. In conclusion, while there is a possibility of overlapping content generated by AI, 
models like ChatGPT. The combination of the model's variability, user customization, and the inherent diversity of human experience should ensure a good degree of uniqueness across individual documents. However, it's always wise to be aware of the tools available and to approach the hiring process holistically. Wasn't that amazing? I thought it was a great answer by ChatGPT. Thank you so much, ChatGPT, for that awesome answer. And I think partly the question is still left unanswered because what are we going to do when eventually people do catch up with ChatGPT? Right now, as you can see from the results from the first poll, only 8% of people were using ChatGPT. And it will be a while before a lot of job candidates are using ChatGPT to help with their job applications. So if you are an employer and you're listening, or if you are an HR person or a hiring manager and you're concerned about it, you will have listened in the webinar that I'm already forecasting some trends that I think will happen because I think what will happen is we will bottleneck at the tail end instead of the beginning of the recruitment process right? So there will be more in-depth interviews, more assessment methods being used. I'm already noticing all of that happening. The very extensive, sophisticated interviewing, more assessments than ever in 2023 being used, and more thorough checking of references. So all of these are towards the tail end of the process and, you know, we will have to revel. It's what the webinar said. It will revolutionize recruitment. More can happen. But I think in the short term, term, you can definitely expect those three things to happen. So be ready for it. Okay, another question. I think it's our third. I'm losing track. Is there security around the data used in this process on ChatGPT? Is there any security around the process? So it's very similar Question, what does ChatGPT do with your information submitted? So, yes, the privacy aspect is something that worries a lot of people. And here is my answer. <laughs> First of all, if you are on LinkedIn and you have all of your, you know, career and professional experience there, if you're using Facebook or Instagram or any other social media, if you Google in your name and things show up, that's basically us being in the world that is both digital and analog, and we are already part of that interweb of things. There's very little that we can do about that now. So the information that you're putting on ChatGPT is most likely already on LinkedIn. One thing that you can do is remove your name or, of course, your address and any other sort of information about you. But the thing about using OpenAI as well for me has been the privacy and ethics and how confident I feel with ChatGPT in particular when I'm using it. I am most often, like 99% of the time, I do not add names or emails or mobile numbers or anything like that, but I am adding where people worked because I want that information to be fed to ChatGPT so it generates the best possible cover letters information for my clients. You know, we do a lot of research, we do a lot of learning using ChatGPT to prepare for the whole process of recruitment, not just the application and not just the interviewing. 
So since it launched last year in 2022, ChatGPT has sort of struggled to convince people of that the privacy risk that it poses is not bigger than the one that already exists if you are on social media and if you are on LinkedIn, for example. And part of ChatGPT's code of ethics includes the limitation around the use of the information that's fed there. So it, you know, you can ask ChatGPT to give you its code of ethics and it will provide it to you. So I'm not going to go through it here. If you want ChatGPT to give you information on other people, that's not going to happen. So, so you can test that out as well. And even if you mention some personal information on ChatGPT, you can delete it later. You can delete any ChatGPT conversation. I keep them there archived because I can go back and you know, I have different conversations for different clients, for example. We work on it together. But if I wanted to, I could delete it. And you can delete it too if, you, if, you, if it makes you feel more comfortable. All right. Now let's talk about cover letters. How important actually are cover letters in online job applications? I hear from polling a number of recruiters that very few of them actually look at cover letters until they have shortlisted the resumes. I mean, your question already answers. <laughs> I answers it for you, doesn't it? So you still have to have them. If they need to look at them later, you still have to have them. So while, you know, some jobs may not require cover letters, I think if you're listening to this podcast and this episode, chances are the jobs that you want will need a cover letter. I usually cater for clients that are middle managers, project managers, experts in their field, senior executives. And for those jobs, a cover letter is vital. They do play a very important role in the job application process. And if in doubt, you know, it's always safer to have a cover letter than not have one. The importance of cover letter in online job applications is a bit confusing because sometimes there is no place to attach them. So you have to follow the guidelines of the online application that you are going through. Sometimes the cover letter is not exactly a cover letter, but a series of questions that is asked of you during that online job application. So depending on the industry, the role, it may look different, but you still need to think through, you know, those answers because all that has changed is the way that that information goes through an online application system rather than a cover letter that you put together. So, you know, have a look at what the guidelines are for the specific application that you are applying for. And then, you know, what I know from talking to recruiters is that some of them read the cover letters first and then the, the resume. Some of them read the resumes first because they have too many resumes and they need to make sure that the resumes fit the assignment that they received from the client. And then they will look at the cover letters later. But for all of my clients, not a single one has applied for a job without a cover letter. I will now ask ChatGPT to provide you with a list of recommendations. So ChatGPT has written an advice for job seekers. 
when it comes to cover letters that I thought was really great. I was just curious to know what it had to say about it. So I will now pass it on to ChatGPT to answer that part of the question for you. Advice for job seekers. 1. Follow instructions. If a job posting explicitly asks for a cover letter, provide one. Not including it could be seen as a failure to follow instructions or a lack of attention to detail. 2. Tailor your content. Generic or one-size-fits-all cover letters are often easy to spot and might not help your application. Tailoring your cover letter to the specific role and company can make it stand out. 3. Keep it concise. Given that some hiring professionals skim, it's a good idea to keep cover letters concise and to the point, highlighting key experiences and motivations. 4. Use it strategically. If there's something crucial about your experience or background that isn't immediately evident from your resume, the cover letter can be a useful place to explain it. All right, another question. If you have a finely tuned resume that is three pages long, how would ChatGPT use that to construct a cover letter with heaps of requirements? That's not really how it works, okay? So you need to prompt ChatGPT in different ways, step by step, to get to a cover letter that is uh, a good match for your resume, which means your skills and your experience and your professional background and the job ad. And I think the best way for me to showcase that to you is for you to watch that webinar and download the guide that I created for that webinar. It's called a ChatGPT guide for your job search. And it provides you with seven different prompts that you can use divided in four different categories, one of which is, you know, job applications. And it may help you understand how you could reach a point where you get a very good draft from ChatGPT for you to then work on, proofread, update, and give it your authentic voice. Another question, ChatGPT 3.5 is free, while the other version 4.0 needs uh, payment, the subscription. Is it this worth the investment from a job search perspective? What is the difference you find between the free and the paid version? I use the free version on the webinar, okay? I use the paid version for my clients. Paid versus free is everything. It's not just about ChatGPT, right? It's about the LinkedIn premium version versus the LinkedIn free version, my paid services versus this podcast. Of course, I'm going to protect my IP and share things with my clients that sign up to work with me. I want them to have that competitive advantage. And also that's how I make a living. You know, I love doing this podcast and educating you on the importance of career understanding, career readiness, and the importance of investing in your career. But the sweet spot and all the cherry on the tops are behind the firewall of my paid services. And for that reason, I strongly believe that ChatGPT 4 is a much better version than 3.5. So 
I, I think that there, you know, there is uh, stuff that you can do with ChatGPT4 that you cannot do in 3.5. Things like the word count and, you know, the ability to do more detailed instructions. It's really, you know, a more sophisticated too. So yes, I do believe that the paid version, which I think I paid $20 a month for it, is, is a much better version than the free version, as with anything else that's free versus paid. But we need to remember that these models aren't perfect. The fact that you have ChatGPT4 doesn't mean that it's always going to be perfection. You still need to proofread your work and make sure that you merge, like I said in the webinar, you know, artificial intelligence and all the technology that you can access these days to level up your game with real life, with networking, with calling people, with working with a coach. That's what will make your application stand out. Another question, can you use ChatGPT to highlight where you may not match a job brief? I loved that question. And of course you can do it. It's a great idea. Prompt ChatGPT to review a job description, review your resume and highlight the areas where you don't meet the brief. That could really be interesting. I haven't done it. I usually, you know, I have a keen eye. The thing about ChatGPT is that, you know, if you're not used to doing these things, it might help you. For me, I can pretty much figure out straight away <laughs> why the person didn't go through an interview, why the job brief wasn't a good match for that person or it was a great match but the resume and the cover letter didn't do that person justice and that's usually what happens more often because I feel like most of my clients like 99% of my clients have great intuition about the jobs that are good for them they just can't sell themselves so that's usually more common all right, another question. Given most resumes are already written to be relatively concise, would it be better to start with a very descriptive long resume to provide more information to summarize specific to me? Yes, I understand the question. So do you want to feed ChatGPT with more descriptive long information? Yes, I think that that should be much better. I'm lucky that I'm based in Australia and our resumes are much longer than the resumes in the US. I have been helping clients in the US using ChatGPT. We haven't had to sort of rewrite resumes. So yes, that could be a good idea if you have a long draft resume and you haven't written a concise version yet. Prompt GPT with that. But remember that ChatGPT has a word limit. So if it's too long, if you're an academic and you have like a 20-page resume, even a 10-page resume, then that may be too long, okay? Academics often have long resumes, everyone, if you didn't know that. All right, another question. What are your thoughts regarding including long lists of basic skills with CVs, within CVs, for positions? It seems necessary for bots and ATS, but looks like overkill to human recruiters. Well, great question. On the day, a recruiter from Watermark, Jacinta Willen, who has been on this podcast a couple of times, three times, in fact, she wrote, rather than a laundry list of skills, we prefer you highlighting several key problems you have solved 
This can showcase the skills you have in a way that gets better cut through. I 100% agree with Jacinta. I, my, my resume template that I have with my clients is very unique and very much based on what I think good recruiters want to see. I never liked and never used a laundry list of basic skills on CVs. I think they're a waste of time. I think that they are not even good for bots and ATS. ATS systems now are very good. They're better. They're sophisticated. I have interviewed a few founders of ATS software, so go back and listen to those interviews. I will list a few of them below. I don't think that they fall for that anymore. So I don't recommend. I also asked ChatGPT to answer that for you. Uh, I was really interested in what it had to say and I liked the answer. So here it goes. Let's listen to an answer from ChatGPT on should you use a laundry list of skills in your resume. A chat GPT, including long lists of basic skills on CVs, especially for senior positions, is indeed a debated topic in the world of recruitment and job applications. Here are some points to consider. 1. A TS consideration. As you pointed out, applicant tracking systems often screen resumes based on keywords. Including certain skills can ensure your resume passes the initial ATS filter, especially if those skills are listed in the job description. However, ATS algorithms have been growing more sophisticated and can often differentiate between essential qualifications and mere keyword stuffing. 2. Perception of overkill. Listing basic skills can come across as filler or unnecessary detail, especially for senior roles where certain skills are assumed. A senior executive listing Microsoft Word as a skill might seem out of place unless it's relevant in a very specific context. 3. Focus on relevant skills. For senior positions, it's essential to highlight advanced, niche, or leadership-related skills that are pertinent to the role. Basic skills can be de-emphasized or even omitted unless they're explicitly mentioned in the job posting. 4. Space consideration. CV real estate is precious. Every line should add value. Instead of filling space with basic skills, consider expanding on significant achievements, leadership roles, project outcomes, or other experiences that demonstrate your capacity in the senior role you're targeting. 5. Context matters. In some industries or roles, even senior positions might require emphasizing certain basic or foundational skills. For instance, a senior position in a rapidly changing tech domain might require highlighting proficiency in a range of programming languages, even if some are considered basic within the industry. 6. Presentation. If you do decide to include a broad skill set, consider how it's presented. Grouping skills under relevant headings, using a clean format, and placing them strategically can make it more palatable for human readers. 7. Alternative approach. Some candidates use a hybrid approach. They might have two versions of their CV, a more detailed version optimized for a TS and a concise, human-centric version that they provide during interviews or networking events. 8. Tailored Applications One of the best practices is to tailor your CV for each application. If a job posting specifically lists certain skills as requirements, it makes sense to include them in your CV for that application. I showcase ChatGPT's answers, everyone, because I really want you to see that the pre-training it has received, even if it's up to September 2022, is very much in line with best practices, with what recruiters and career coaches like myself believe is the best recommendation and advice for you. So, you know, 
the general trend is leaning towards you being concise, intentional, achievement-focused, especially if you are like my clients, you know, executives, project managers, middle managers, marketing managers, going for those middle management and senior roles. It's really important to balance what you believe are the demands of ATS with the job postings and how you apply needs to be well-read for the human eye first and the bot second. Don't think that bots are, let's say, unsophisticated, right? And that they will fall for a laundry list of skills because they don't fall for that anymore. Maybe a few years ago, but not anymore. Okay, here it is. The final question. What recruiter would read up 100 applicants' cover letters with 500 to 600 words plus a resume of 800 to 1,000 words. I didn't understand this question. I didn't know if it was a joke or if it was funny or being cynical or it was genuine. But that's exactly right. Recruiters don't have time to do this anymore. And that's why ATS systems are so important for recruitment in the modern world, right? Making sure that you are fair with 100 applicants that really want that position, that one position that you have is important and developing more and more sophisticated technology that can read and select. I mean, lots of you will be cynical about this and roll your eyes and say, oh, you know, I was perfect for that job and it didn't pick me and I wasn't shortlisted. Well, one more reason for you to try ChatGPT and use it because it will be an objective tool to select from what your resume all of the things that the job description is asking for and provide you with a job application that is more likely to go through the ATS system success successfully. It may be that it will bottleneck you towards the end of the recruitment process, like I said, with more thorough interviews, with more thorough referral checks and, and assessments and so forth. But I do believe that recruiters really do need, need ATS and that we as candidates, job candidates, need ChatGPT and other AI tool to match that technology and the advancement that's happening recruitment. I hope you liked this episode of the Job Hunting Podcast, answering all the questions that I received during the webinar about using ChatGPT for job seeking. Remember that I have people all over the world. And for that reason, a good tip that came up on the chat box during the webinar that I, it was kind of something I said that may have prompted somebody to say this as well. And I thought it was great is you have to check the spelling of the English that comes out of chat to me because it's an American spelling. So if you're in the UK or in Australia or in New Zealand or in other countries that use, you know, British English or Australian English, you have to check that and good luck. Use ChatGPT. Remember to check my services. And if I can help you in your career with a consultation or as a private client, or if you want to be part of my group coaching program, join the waitlist. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, we may have 
open registrations for the group coaching program. I run it twice a year. And there's a whole bunch of services and programs on my website that you can look up and sign up. Invest in your career. It pays off, I promise you. Bye for now. See you next time. It was great having you. Bye.